0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to be reviewing Bliss Stage, a game about robots and dreams and child sex. Uh, Also, there's some fun modern design elements in there, I guess. But but again, it's mostly about robots and dreams and uh, unfiltered child sex. Uh, See you on the other side. System Mastery. Hey everybody, welcome to the studio. I'm Jeff, joined as always by my co-host, John. Hey, it's lovely to be here in the recording studio that we definitely have. Oh, and now over to John for sports. Uh, you know, today's a real big day for sports. <laughs> we got a couple of games. Back to you. <laughs> uh, today's weather's going to be normal. We got uh, uh, patches of uh, normal weather, yeah. weather you'd expect. Yeah, and also there's a SIG a alert on the freeway. There's one. One SIG alert. It's because SIG's uh, out there. On one freeway. We live in one of those towns where there's one freeway. And that one freeway, jam-piggity-packed. Yep, packed with jam-piggities. <laughs> That's right. The jam-piggity truck turned over, <laughs> and now we are packed with jam-piggities. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you were planning to go to Jam Piggety's this morning for one of their famous $5 breakfasts, you just need to eat that shit off the road. That's right. Come on down to the freeway for free Jam Piggety's. This has gone so far off the rails, I can't remember what the rails were. I don't even know where we are right now. (laughs) The recording studio. some one-horse town with a surface of Jam Piggety's. And a recording studio. and we're doing that's all we got here we're doing the drive time radio in a town that has like 50 people in it oh yeah well you know we've got a recording studio and a jam piggies that's our claim to fame we've also got one of them gas stations where a creepy dude warns you not to go into the hills (laughs) which is fair the hills are not very good (laughs) they're shitty (laughs) just (laughs) crap hills you go in there and he's just like yeah whatever you do don't go into those hills yonder No one ever likes going into those hills. A lot of bad Yelp reviews. (laughs) Just no scenery at all in those hills. Yeah, sometimes staying on the freeway and putting up with a jam-piggity fire is the best thing you can do. Oh, now the jam-piggities are on fire? (laughs) Are we looking at roasted (laughs) jam-piggities? I mean, also, why did this guy move here from Maine? (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that this town couldn't be in Maine. <laughs> this town that we've invented. I mean, Maine is the kind of place where you could have a lot of areas that have one freeway because there's nowhere really to go. I mean, you're kind of up on a peninsula. So... You know, May- where are you yeah. going to go? I mean, that's the thing that was bothering me in that... I just watched the original Pet Cemetery movie, getting ready for the new one. Uh-huh. And where are those trucks going from and coming to at 800 miles an hour well, in, in rural Maine? what What is going on? I think it's because they're leaving main with trucks full of delicious lobster ah, but they gotta go of, fast they gotta go fast because of all the lobsters because the lobster will go bad yeah that's true you got me there they gotta go real fast oh. go, run, run run real fast it's weird that they didn't have time to devote in that extraordinarily shaggy film they didn't have time to devote to mention that the trucks are full of steaming fresh lobsters from the main coast oh yeah they're steaming yeah. fresh they steamed them and then put them on a truck they got to get where they're going before that steam runs out baby that's the plan you let that steam run out, that's a jam-piggity of a situation. <laughs> hey, John, what are we reviewing today? Why, we've got Bliss Stage. It is a real... It's a real doozy of an RPG, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Uh, yeah, so we chose this one because it was a PDF and we needed a PDF. Uh, but also... This is one of those ones where... Like, people keep recommending it? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of notorious, not quite on the level of, say, a fatal or anything like that. Yeah. But it is definitely one that tends to come up a lot. People, you know, like you say, they've recommended it to us. It comes up in discussions about, you know, problems in games, specifically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the whole... K- kid boning. I, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, underage but it's not like there's a government anymore, so it's not really a underage. It's not like. illegal. It but is yeah, no it's one's, underage. No, no one's stopping. Well, like, you know, maybe someone should be st- I mean, someone still, should be stopping this. I don't know how. And it's the people who wrote this RPG. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well to, to get you through the core premise because this book's got a lot of kind of fluidity to it. It's like, hey, this is your world. You do whatever you want in it. Oh, yeah. But there's, here's the strictures and things you can't fuck with at all. Well no, there's there's a lot of uh sort of the modern sensibilities of collaborate on what the people are, collaborate on, you know, what characters are having what relationships with anyone else. Collaborate yeah. for where you set this, it's... Stop, it, collaborate, and listen to the other players and what they might want you to do. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Because if you listen to each other's hearts... <laughs> that's, uh... You'll find you're never too far apart, John. <laughs> that's good. And, John, if I may, I might point out to you as well that, that maybe love is the reason why. Maybe <laughs> that love is the reason why we've got a 5 it of C. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, that would indicate that we have had sex. That would, or we're related. And oh, that's we've right. Punched okay, each we, other. We've punched each other and we're related. Well, that part's not true. We're not related as far as I know. But we have had sex we've, as far as I know. Well, not with each other, but we've both had we've sex. We've both had sex. I mean, to be fair, when you look at that intimacy chart in the book, the, the had sex does not say with each other. It just says had sex. <laughs> doesn't matter. Had sex. <laughs> off balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Uh, Okay, so yeah, the basic premise, the super basic premise. Uh, Aliens invaded about seven years ago, exactly about seven years ago. Exactly about. And uh, what did they do? Precisely almost (laughs) seven years ago. They invaded via some sort of dream world called the Bliss. That's uh, not true at all. I Quit trying to describe this book. You don't know. I know them. I've just finished reading it. They, invite, they invade really as well. They, they're in like physical space and also the dream world. Well, the dream world isn't called bliss. Yeah, bliss is what happens to people. The, the bliss is the disease that sends people to the dream world. Uh, the, so, <laughs> with, look, with, I'll take over from here. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, what <laughs> happens is... So, what happens is, seven years ago, all of the adults begin to fall asleep, and anyone who falls asleep doesn't wake up. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everyone is like under 18 at this point. I like that it uses the American definition of adulthood, by the way, too. Well, yeah. It's pretty silly. Like, yeah, when you turn 18, you fall asleep. Also, you got to register for selective service <laughs> if you're a guy. But you're asleep, so you can't. Yeah. Well, but the the main thing is this sleep is supernatural because it also means the adults don't need to eat or drink anything, and they seem very happy, which is why they call it the bliss, because yeah. they're like, oh, it just sort of seems like they pleasantly fell asleep and are fine. Yeah. Now, it took a while for people to figure out what the heck was going on. Well, um, yeah. the I mean, because all you have are essentially children running around mm-hmm. trying to survive in a world where... You gotta imagine nothing works within like a month. Yeah. So basically, what happens is they all have to construct like elaborate tree houses and pie cannons and so on. Oh, well, they all eat imaginary food Mm -hmm. and they fight pirates. Yeah. They venerate the one with the spikiest haircut. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. That's, that's just, I I mean, if, if high school has taught me anything, that's what you do. (laughs) That's so true. So, yeah. And then about. You know, a year into this apocalypse happening, the al- they keep calling them aliens, though it's weird because they basically are dream creatures mm-hmm. because they live in the dream. And-, and they come to me in my bed. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Only other children should do that. Oh, you're right. I forgot. So, So the aliens live in dream space and can send... Pretty much like killer robots that are made out of dreams into real space mm-hmm. to attack. So the uh, the robots come through the dream, and for about five years, basically, humanity gets super fucked. Yeah, they just get terrorized by giant ball robots that unfold into murderous <laughs> laser launchers or whatever. Yeah, it's just, you know, your standard alien mecha show up and Well, it's all very much up to the players to describe what what the monster what everything looks like in this game. Yeah. So, but their their description is Oh, it's a terrifying orb of fire and dream that comes out, and then Well, it they're like, it could be whatever you want yeah. it to be. It could be a ring of eyes and wings like an angel from the Bible. Yeah. But one of the examples I enjoyed was the ring, the the fiery orb of dream that comes out and unfolds into a nightmare version of your favorite childhood toy. <laughs> uh, yes. Play-Doh. It comes <laughs> out and f- unfolds into Play-Doh. Water wings. <laughs> Half a slinky. <laughs> a slip and slide. <laughs> uh, so eventually. Fuck it. <laughs> eventually there is the big turning point in this setting is there is an adult who doesn't succumb to the bliss. Mm-hmm. And it's not really said whether they never did or if it's like someone who got older during this didn't but you have someone who has gone past the age where they should have just fallen asleep but they are still awake and they're now the authority figure but them and some other teenagers discover the the way to essentially send the mind of a kid into the dream world And they create a mech using their relationships with others to fight dream aliens in a dream world. But they need someone to be on the other side as an anchor to be like, hey, buddy, how you doing in there? You okay? You feeling all right? You got a good sense of direction? So, yeah, the basic premise is, first of all, your party defines what all this is. So... The, the book's got a whole thing where the aliens are big people with no faces made up of little people with no faces, and it's just smaller and smaller people all the way down. <laughs> it's just people all the way down. Uh, but whatever the aliens look like in their own dream world is entirely up to the players. You just ask them at the start of the game. No, everything in this game is figured out by asking your players. Thank goodness. I love when the game does all this good, useful work for me. Well, yeah, I mean, it gave you... This background that was like... That makes oh, here's, no goddamn logistical sense. Here's a weird apocalypse that happened. Yeah. But the actual details of what things look like, where your campaign takes place, you know, what's going on as far as, like, what does a mech look like when you make it? What does the dream look like when you go there? And so on. Uh, is sort of up to you. The yeah. only other thing, really, that they say is that in addition to... Uh, Having a way in there, the thing that caused this to be possible, in addition to having an adult, was someone had finally beaten one of the uh, Dream Robots. Yes, someone someone took out a drone. Probably the Americans. (laughs) It's about bloody time. (laughs) Hello, Dream Alien boys! Remember me! (laughs) (laughs) So they have... Basically an alien robo brain that they plug into, and that's pretty but, much your engine to get going. Yeah, they call it an Anima. Well, uh, no, that's what the mech is. Oh, the mech is the onima. I thought that was also the cr- is it the crash then? Yeah, the, that's where you go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You lie down in the crash and then you go into it you go into the dream and then you build yourself an onima, which is a, a mech boy. Yeah. Um, so you build a mech based off of your relationship, so it's <laughs> Which all just hilarious when they describe it. They're like, I'm summoning my good friend Anna and she becomes a particle beam cannon. Yeah, it's my f- father is a jet pack. <laughs> it's super weird. But I kind of love it that they're like, Oh no, you have to rely on the strengths of your relationship. Like it's very anime in that. They're yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, the strengths of your relationships become your armor, but you have to describe what each one is. Mm-hmm. So if you've got, like, a ton of relationships, you have to be like, all right, so my left missile pod is my grandpa, <laughs> my right missile pod is Jim, and I got rocket boots, and those are Billy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the top half of me is my real friends. The bottom half of me is, like, my high school friends. I got a butt you plate, know, and that's Mike Gross. Mike Gross is the butt plate. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because hit punched- that dude with a skateboard. know I, well, I hit him with a skateboard. I think you just punched him or something. Oh, I threw him off of the those like dome. That's right. Yeah, things yeah, yeah. and broke his leg. Jeez, <laughs> oh, what do you know? I got him worse than you. You got him worse than I did. Oh yeah, you got to imagine if he was like, ah, finally now I, it's been many years and I can get back to my bullying ways, and then someone just. Danked him upside the head with a skateboard, and he's like, no, my comeuppance. <laughs> Poor bastard. My petard. It makes us sound like assholes to tell this story, by the way. Oh, no. I was 100% an asshole there. Now, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, he always bullied me. I'm like, my dude, I was in first grade. I should not be throwing a guy off of, like, fucking monkey bars in yeah. first grade. Yeah, and all I did was overreact to getting punched by pe- when I was passing a fight in progress. Yeah. I was like, hey, fuck you, buddy. And then I hit him with a scare. He probably just thought I was part of the fight. Part of it. Yeah. Well, I was then. Uh, So, yeah, this game then takes place. It's been seven years, and you are in the group that has uh, this anima capability it's so you implied could go that there may to be dream. other groups around the world that are doing the same thing it's but, possible, but you're basically the only one you know of yeah it's supposed to be that if you go out into the world it, most of the time you're in like this base where they they help provide you with food and and shelter and stuff in exchange for you being willing to go into this dream world and fight nightmare aliens uh and the but, rest of it is just roving bands of child gangs, yeah, yeah, apparently that happened it's all just. It's all just kids, the movie kids. It's- that 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 has taken place. It's all just spring breakers are running around. <laughs> all these damn spring breakers. Yeah, the whole world is just whatever Harmony Corrine thinks, and <laughs> uh, and then you have to stay in a special like you know secret subway tunnel. And- yeah, it's weird because the rest of it is spring breakers, and then you're in fucking like Neon Genesis. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. Uh, okay, so your characters aren't characters per se. You actually play as A whole selection of the the various group of children that that you represent. Yeah, that's Um, an interesting decision in here, in that when you start, uh, they say you're going to want to have about 10 to 13 characters. mm -hmm. Every player should get a pilot, and no more than one, but every player should have one pilot. Yes. And generally every player should have one anchor that they control. But you can't have the same, you can't have an anchor to your pilot, yeah you can 't be the anchor for your own pilot, yeah, because that'd just be whacking off if you were playing the game, yeah, so you get that, and then essentially, if there 's anything left over after that, so if you 've got say three players, then you 're looking at about four to seven more characters to just kind of flesh out the base, you just grab them and control them when it 's like when they show up in in, in various like talk segments. Also, the GM of the game is basically just another player. The big difference is that they control the person in the group called the authority figure. Yeah, they're who, the adult. Who, again, is an adult who has just not gone to sleep. because it it, it, There's a sentence in there where it's like they just says, oh, well, they've just found a way to resist sleep. And I'm like, did that? are they just not resisting the bliss? What, do, what What's the specific situation? Because you can't sleep for, which, by the way, seven years have gone by. You can't just not sleep for seven years. I mean, yeah. John's tried it <laughs> by God. I have tried my best, <laughs> but I, th- I mean, I think this is, again, it's left up to you what you want it to be, but I yeah. feel like the best way is to say, this is some adult that's immune to bliss. Yeah. And so now he's got his own little, it's child just army. like me, an yeah. adult immune to bliss. <laughs> <laughs> He's just this dude with a child army sending robot dream warriors that he'll never be able to experience himself. No, because only teenagers can go in here. So you can't be 12 or younger or 20 or above. It's weird how the, uh, uh, once again, how this dream sequence robot initialized thing that they pulled out of the drone of an alien dream machine recognizes specifically the teenage moray ages of North America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just... In the 20th century as well. That's it. When you hit that 13th birthday, the dream just kind of goes, yeah, sure, buddy. Come on in. Ooh, hey, you're in our target demographic now. Buy all these Beyblades. (laughs) You got to wonder if you're one of those kids that's born on, like, February 29th. Oh, yeah, so you're actually three or whatever. You're, like, a leap year kid. Yeah. That's the authority figure. They're like, hey, look, I'm technically only, like, 12, so, you know... (laughs) And he's actually 48. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. I (laughs) would love that. Hey, you kids, keep fucking. I need more kids. Hey, you kids, you keep doing what you're doing. I like that. Eat them cockroaches and fight them aliens. That's what we need. (laughs) <laughs> I'm 12 years old, I is. I can't even pilot one of these things. Yeah, yet. if I was if I was playing this, that'd be my... When I had to define the alien, it'd be like, oh, they're they're marketers, and they are specifically interested in the 13 to 17 demographic and not interested in anything else. Yeah, they just shut down every other market, and they're uh-huh. like, look, this is what we're doing. <laughs> Welcome to our dream world. Purchase these Micro Machine play sets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have so much Lego to show you. <laughs> What do you see in there? It's nothing but, like, advanced Legos for teenagers. It's all Technics and Bionicle. It's insane in here. Oh, my God! one has got a working engine! <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, so, so, yeah. Yeah, you, you create about 10 to 13 people, and then you really def- define the relationships with them based on solely on the pilot character yeah as much as the game says like oh you're playing all of these various characters no one has any single character your pilot is pretty much your character and then the rest of them is just stuff you get to do instead of the gm doing everything yeah it's just npcs that you share terms with although i think you probably get a lot of play time in as anchors uh but so your pilot has a couple of core stats that aren't but even then, they're still basically derived by relationship. Yeah, you don't really have stats in this. Everything is just relationship based. So you have pretty much two things that you work on to begin with. Uh, every pilot has an archetype, so you'll pick like Eager I'm cadet. Yeah, stuff. I'm the thirteen year old new cadet. Yeah, all the way up to I'm the seventeen year old seasoned vet yeah. who's seen too much shit. Yeah, and is just about ready to die. <laughs> and you pick whatever you are and most of them have some little benefit. Mm-hmm. Usually it's it's what you've got to do with dice manipulation basically. Well, it's it's usually based on relationships for like okay, you start out with two stats of intimacy and trust for any given relationship. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a list. So it's like you have one relationship that gets to start at Four intimacy and one trust. You have one relationship that starts at two and two, and one yeah. that starts at one and three. So you have to write that down. And through you just list out the people that that, that uh, live in your neighborhood. Yeah, you just fill you fill in the blank. So you're like, all right, my anchor is a two intimacy three trust. Okay, I'll put that in that slot. Yeah. All right, and then we decided that my little sister is here, so she'll go into like the. One intimacy, four trust, but because she's my sister, I get plus one intimacy. Yeah, because of blood relations, so she becomes a two-four. So all you're doing is writing down these these relationships and then highlighting them to a little like list of options for the two numbers that always just add up to five. And so certain ones will have things like, oh, if you are uh, like a certain type, you'll have... Your benefit might be you just get a powerful relationship to start with. Like, ooh, you start with, uh, since everything goes up to five, it's like you start with a relationship that's five intimacy and three trust. It's super good. So like, okay, great. That's your power. Yeah. Some people get like a bonus plus one to like choose a couple things. You get bonus intimacy. Mm -hmm. Some get bonus trust. The worst one is the seasoned veteran where it's just choose two relationships. They're broken also, you have one trauma, and you're like, "Oh, this is all just bad stuff. Why right? <laughs> yep. would anyone pick this? This, this is, is garbage. This is the running undercurrent of this game: is that it consistently expects that you're going to voluntarily fuck yourself over for not for, I guess, for the story. Yeah, the, I mean, we'll get there when there's we a get lot to more mechanics. mechanics. It's just, but it's just a running theme throughout the course of the game. That's yeah, all. there's, just, you'll there... notice that the game kind of goes, goes, hey, if you want, you can play as a dumb, broken, mean piece of shit." Uh, what's the benefit of that? Oh, there isn't one. It's just bad. Oh, no, it's just, if you wanted to play that character, you could do it and be worse. And you're like, okay. Yeah. So, there's also special types of anchors when you're playing as anchors. Yeah. They uh, all have a power based on re-rolling dice. Yes. Uh... So This is so hard to explain in the middle. Well, all of the anchors are just, you fill in the name of whoever. Oh, I forgot about that. It's not whoever, is it, John? I had a highlighter on my PDF for this one. Oh, and I know. And, and to pick the names for your anchors, you're supposed to go through and pick the unrequited crushes that you had on people in middle school and write their names down. Yeah, and it I do like that it specifically says, hey, don't use the name of anyone that you are still in contact with. That would be real fucking creepy. Yeah, not like this isn't already real fucking creepy, but sure, whatever. Eh, I, I mean, at least that's like, here, here's a way you can generate a name without really having to worry about it. Yeah, well, you know, screw you, game. All my crushes were requited. I got my shit going on in school. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, well, I guess here's Veronica then. You probably knew in high school, what, like two girls? total i mean in high school yeah because you went to i'm a- talking about fucking uh grade school baby yeah. what if all of your unrequited crushes were just girls named veronica all of them like just yeah, just the huge, a- yeah a huge thing there was Archie a comic i mean i'm gonna say there was a list of like three stephanies in a row and i was like what is it with me and stephanies what's going on here <laughs> you're just like i got my first anchor is named stephanie my second anchor is named stephanie my third anchor is named thomas that was a weird part of my life <laughs> and that was an experimental bit of me yeah. but you know we'll move on <laughs> Fourth anchor is Stephanie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, name your anchors after your unrequited crushes from school that you don't have contact with anymore, and then you pick basically a descriptor, and that's their power. So you could be, they could be kind or persistent or whatever it is, and that gives them the ability to reroll dice when you assign them to a thing. Now the game uses fudge dice uh, as yeah, its thing. Yeah. So it'll be like, oh, if you, some of it will be, you can assign, like, you can re-roll dice that have been assigned to your relationship, or re-roll dice that have been assigned to the pilot's safety, or, they all have their own, like, categories that they're good at reassigning. Yes. So, So uh... When they, when you get the list of anchors they 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 list them with their own names, they'll be like Jenny the resilient and so on with a little warning at the top and all caps. It's like, do not use these names. I One don't th- know why we did, but please don't use them. Don't use these names. Remember you have to use the names of unrequited middle school crushes. <laughs> I' like that's a weird thing to demand. I demand it I, I will check. I will do this. Uh, anyway, yeah. There's there's maybe six kinds of anchors. They're just you know resilient, kind, com- uh, like uh, brave, that dare, daredevil, that kind of thing. They, they and they all have a reroll feature. Uh, the rest of the the characters you'll play as are just random, arbitrary kids that are just running around in your in your facility. Yeah, they don't it, need any stats, but their relationship to you. Yeah, it oh, says that. Or oh, your pilot. Uh, they can you know be either perspective ones that are like oh I'm 12 and I want to be a pilot so they could be up and coming mm-hmm. uh it could be that they're like doing farming it says yeah although <sighs> who's going outside the whole point is you have to stay in these like thick buildings so that oh, yeah these thick these thick with two C buildings and uh, so that you don't get noticed by the dream police <laughs> <laughs> but the uh i mean it seems weird that they they have this idea that for some reason kids would have gotten together and rediscovered agriculture for some reason, which, I mean, we've discussed this. That's not what happens. <laughs> no, no, the, the, there's this whole thing where it's like. How do you get food in this world? Ask yourselves and your players that question. All of you, sit down and have a frank conversation about what everyone's eating. Are they eating cockroaches and bugs? Have they found a grocery store where they can they can loot cans? Seven years down the line, you know, where there's still a huge population of kids here in the city you're in, is that what you found? And there's never a point where it goes, "Are you eating sleeping people? Did you did you just go up to these adults that are just?" Preserved, yeah. Like they don't need to eat or drink or do anything. They just sort of are in sleep stasis, yeah. And you got to imagine at some point, some kids just like, well, they're right there. Come on. I mean, look at it's just a it's just a a five leg or five part hot dog. I could just eat this thing. It's not like he's ever gonna wake up. I mean, I guess it would be. If you were in like the Midwest somewhere, and you're like, "Nah, man, we got cows aplenty." Yeah, for sure, you got cows aplenty for like one generation of cows, and then they all die off because no one's taking care of them because cows are pretty engineered to be stupid meat beasts. <laughs> Same, yeah. I, it's just everything where they're like, "Oh yeah, they, they, we just, we should we should have a base near a hospital because they'll have a generator." And I'm like, seven years down the line, the fuck they will. Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions that this game has about the way the world is going to work that. Does it play out, given that they've had a seven-year gap? Yeah, the seven-year gap is a little much. If it had been, like, a one-year gap, I'd go, okay, you can still find, you know, canned goods that are okay to eat. You can yeah. take care of, like, getting gas for stuff from things. Yeah, you can go loot it from gas stations or whatever. But seven years down the line, there's been a lot of looting. There's been a lot of looting a lot and of power just, grabs. you know... People that are going into grocery stores and being like, "Ooh, food!" and it's been five years, and they just get like horrible stomach flu and yeah, then they die. Dysentery off that that canned shit. And, and, but and then the book never once goes. By the way, you're probably just going to be eating sleeping people. You're- probably just eating folk. Yeah, I because mean, it's so obvious and it doesn't even get raised as a concept. And are we the gross ones here, John? I mean, we're reading a book where there's a huge contrived world scenario to engender a, a, a situation where players have to describe two 13-year-olds fucking. And are we the weird ones for being like, how come they're not cannibals? Am I the asshole Who's here? Who's the ass? I don't understand. Because <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's the perfect renewable resource yeah. that takes... None of your resources to keep going because you'd look at it and go like, "Oh, we could try and raise livestock, but mm-hmm. then they would be eating food that we might be eating, and we could try and do some agriculture, but we're like twelve. What the fuck do we know about that?" Here's the question I have, John, and this is a weird question, and I want you to bear out with me. Okay, are, I'm I'm ready to go on a journey. What's right, going on? A journey are the sleeping people? Yeah, still farting. <laughs> I have to imagine the answer is no. Yeah, see, that's a disappointment. Because if they were still farting, you could harness the methane. You could have a whole empire running on collecting the gas of sleeping people. Now, if they're still breathing, though... That's true. You, you could, could use it to up, power windmills and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, you set up just a ton of little generators going off of breath. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's pretty much the only thing you... Because at this point, you're looking at humans as a source of energy. This is the matrix, except for Oh, yeah, works. I was going to say, at this point, you just start going like, all right, how many... Like, adults, can we stack up mm-hmm. and get going in one place? How much electrical charge do they generate? Because in The Matrix, the problem was that it will always take more food to generate the uh, the uh, amount oh, yeah, of electricity you gotta, that they'll charge out. You've got to shove in more energy than you're getting out. Yeah, but well, if these here, guys don't eat or drink at all, and they're perfectly healthy all the time, which means you can take their electrical charge and use it to power things. I mean, it, to me, this this whole game, they make it about, like, fighting robots in the, or fighting aliens in a dream world and and, you know, teenage fucking but realistically it's it's about organizing and c- collecting as many sleeping adults as you can and, and <laughs> it's and, the pokemon uh, of sleeping adults <laughs> and, trying to, and trying to come up with creative ways to use them where you don't necessarily yeah. kill them just turning average human adults into potato clocks that are equally as delicious yeah and i got you don't need to eat them if you want to keep your supply although the question of can you feed them and, and what like what what, what what can you can you feed them and get fertilizer later are they pooping? That's a good question, there's so and many one questions. that the book never answers. What if happens- I put an IV into a sleeping adult, mm-hmm. and I start putting nutrients into them, yeah, what's happening? Yeah. Are they just gone? Are they doubling down on the nutrients? What happens if I intentionally infect one with a tapeworm? Does the tapeworm find enough free food inside this free food human, or does it just die because the only thing keeping them alive is the bliss? Yeah. There's so many questions about sleeping people, and they just... Breeze right past it because it's the, the 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 true essence of the story is eventually your teenagers are going to have to fight so hard they fuck. <laughs> See now this is where you and I differ. you and I disagree because there is a certain issue with this in that oh god a certain issue a a a please please continue okay in this game mm-hmm. there is the chart for intimacy one through five Mm -hmm. trust one through five and everything like that right now intimacy one through five they have a little chart where it says like this is sort of what you should be looking at as far as how intimate you've gotten with someone Mm -hmm. to be where you are at intimacy level so intimacy one is basically just you've seen this person and you know their name yeah it's literally set up the way bases are set up when it comes to be like childhood talk so after that It's, alright, you know, you've actually touched this person, you Mm -hmm. know who they are, you have some sort of relationship with them, and it goes up to, like, kissing... Yeah, above the bra, under the shirt. (laughs) Uh, But it also has antagonistic versions of that, so it could be, like, you get into a shouting match with someone, Intimacy 4 is you straight up come to blows with somebody else, so Intimacy isn't just... Romantic intimacy—it is how close and how powerful your emotions are with someone, except when it hits level five, and then it—the only thing it says is level five is have sex. Yeah, which is weird because you know I I just finished rewatching Fight Club the other day, and those guys love each other to a crazy degree because of how much they spend time they spend fighting. Now that that's all intimacy for baby. Yeah, that's as far as those guys can get. Although I guess you could probably argue that that uh, Tyler Durden and what's his face are are blood relatives because they're the same guy. Yeah. I I guess. So they might be intimacy five with each other. Yeah. You know, but there's no way that anyone's in intimacy five with Meatloaf in that movie. <laughs> uh boy, that movie does not hold up under anal- an analysis for for like toxic masculinity is I'll tell you that, right? It's just like, yeah, the important thing for men is fucking fighting. Fighting's the only thing that matters. You're like I don't like this <laughs> conceptually. You're you're very wrong. <laughs> well, you shouldn't like it. Oh, okay. So um So yeah, there. There's the intimacy chart. And, there's and, the intimacy chart, and, which is a problem. And the one thing that I will say that's very bad about this is there is a this section where it says, like, oh, yeah, if you're a blood relative, then you get plus one on the intimacy. And then it says the chart tops at five. You do not get a bonus for incest. And I was like, you didn't need to say that. That's one of those dude. warning labels where you know there's a, there's a gross story. You know someone at the table was like. Yeah, but what if I fuck my sister? Can I go to intimacy six? And he's like, Ugh, uh, "No, for sake. no, quit trying to be Fenris from the X Men." <laughs> or I guess uh, no. Wait, who's the who's the actual one? The couple that's Quicksilver Silver and, and Scarlet, Scarlet Witch Scarlet and the Witch. Ultimates. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, you think that's the grossest thing in this book? I would say it's probably the pregnancy section. Eh. Uh, did you read the pregnancy section? Did I mean, you? Get it just says that you. I mean, well, okay. So you have. A starting base, I think it's 2-2 two, two or 3-3. Three, three. If you're the mom, it's 3-3. Three, three. If you're the dad, it's 2-2. Two, two. If you're not related to the, ch- the to the child that's still in the womb, it's a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, everyone's got a 1-1 one, one relationship with an unborn baby. The father gets his bonus to uh, to uh, to intimacy and trust because he's a blood relative of the baby, which puts it to 2-2. Two, two. The mom gets a further bonus that's just a special new event that's happening here in the game to put her up to 3-3. Three, three. If she loses trust with the baby in her womb... That is what causes miscarriages in this game. Yeah. And you might be asking, how does a baby <laughs> lose not, trust not with not its mother? Not a baby, John. A fetus. Yeah. I guess it's my fault for saying baby first. But this is, I mean, it's not like you're getting in arguments with it. It's in you still. Yeah. Now, the only way <laughs> I mean, that that would happen is essentially through, we may as well get to the mechanical part of this, is when you go on a mission... And you build your mech, basically you would have to gamble your relationship with your baby and put it as part of your mech to you the point me? where, like, my relationship with my baby got shot off of me. <laughs> I mean, you could also be constantly getting in fights with your baby because you could be punching your just stomach. punching that ba- Which, I mean, yeah, you're going to have a miscarriage. But here's the thing. I, I mean, I'm not just talking about the inherent mechanical absurdity of it. That's cruel. It's cruelty to suggest that the reason miscarriage is happy is because you didn't trust your fetus enough. Now, to be fair, it doesn't say this is why it happens. It just says it will happen if this occurs. So it's not a, this is the only means in which this happens, just that should it happen, then... A miscarriage. There's no earthly way where it's okay to suggest to an audience that might include women who have experienced miscarriages in their life that it could have been because their baby lost trust in them while they were still pregnant. (laughs) It's it's not good. Yeah. And I mean, I understand the idea that they were going for as far as like, oh, you decided to go into the dream world and pilot a mech while you were pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. And that caused you to have a miscarriage because you turned your love of your baby into a missile launcher and then an alien shot it? Like, that's weird. And I understand that they were like, ooh, this is a thing that could happen if you break your relationship with that, with this weird dream logic. But, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're definitely right. Don't put weird pregnancy miscarriage rules in your game about, like... Super anime teenagers fighting mech battles against dream aliens. I mean, notably, there is no other way that a baby can miscarry in the, or could be miscarried in the rules of this game. Yes. There's no, like, also roll a D6 on a minus your baby miscarries. There's none of that. So, this in this game, diegetically, this is the only way that miscarriages happen. Yeah. Uh. So, I'm so, anyway, uh, let's talk about how, what you actually do in this. Because it's a lot of freeform RP with player-led, like... There are different phases of the game. The primary one is the, is the mission phase uh, where you go into an and you have goals that you need to accomplish and your anchor describes things uh, like the sensor readouts. They're getting on what you're doing while you're wandering around as the pilot in a mech. And then the other players are just throwing shit at the walls at you the whole time, too. Well, like it starts with a briefing action. And that's the point where the GM gives you what you're supposed to be doing. As the authority figure, he calls everyone into a room, and he's like, this is your mission. Yeah, And they can decide whatever it is. Now, when you start the game, you create hopes for your squad. Mm -hmm. So you could have hopes that are like, we want to create a new generation that will you know, be able to survive in this bullshit apocalypse it's, or it's we want that, yeah. to find out why people are asleep or we want to beat up the aliens or it's, whatever it is. It's notable that their example group takes the two most obvious possible hopes and runs with them for their entire example discussion, which is we want to end the alien menace and we want to to uh, start a new civilization. Yeah, well, I mean, I would take find a cure for the bliss is probably mine. So I mean, you can- sure, if you want to stop your your constant source of free sleeping people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> My giant battery of adults woke up. How sad for me. Yeah, that's a sad situation. If you do that before you solve the alien invasion, they'll either just restart the bliss or they'll just show up in their di- giant death toys and, and murder them again. You oh, can't, you- no. laser eye Teddy Ruxpin is coming for me. <laughs> I love it that the assumption is that your favorite toy as a child was probably some kind of action figure, either a doll if you're a girl or a Transformer if you're a boy, right? Because they're like, oh, it turns into your favorite childhood toy. You're like, what, like a like a bucket? Like, I really liked uh, my boogie board. That's I, I was, really liked this bucket. I was significantly weighing- Also, into- I was a walrus as a child. wow, <laughs> <I, laughs> oh, my bucket. They be taking my bucket. Oh, it kills me so much that that's a northern elephant seal and not a walrus. The... Hi, I'm Mr. Pet Injury. I mean, technically, there was follow-up ones where a walrus was oh, yeah, actually- Fair there. enough. That's, to that's, be fair. To be very fair. To be even more pedantic about memes. <laughs> Further down the rabbit hole, John. <laughs> uh, no, but like... <laughs> uh, so, yeah. They, so they, you get your brief, briefing action. Yeah, they tell you what's going to happen, and you can choose to not do it. As a as a pilot, you can be like, no. But then you lose trust for no reason. And it's, Well, yeah, the it, whole thing is the GM will pick someone. It'll be like, yeah. either he says, does anyone want to volunteer? Or he says like all right uh jimmy you're you got to you got to do it you're the you're the man yeah now dog you got to go on an mission to cross that dream bridge and check what's on the other dream side and jimmy'll be be like yes boss or no oh, now, if you, if you say no you just damage your relationship with the uh with the authority figure which kicks off another uh, what they call interlude segments but we'll get to that later it's just one more chance to fuck yourself over for fun so assuming that your pilot and anchor go through with whatever you do your mission. And it's very interesting in the way that this is set up because whoever is playing the anchor essentially becomes what you would standard think of as a GM because they describe everything that's happening. Like they're the ones who say, Hey, I'm getting readings. I see that there's whatever in front of you or, Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a, bridge and it's whatever and you've got levels of control yeah it's very collaborative improv in style like it'd be if john was going in as a pilot i'd be like i'd be like all right john you're now in the dream world the bridge should be out in front of you i want you to slowly open your eyes and tell me what you see uh i see a bridge no you see penises so many penises (laughs) Ah! (laughs) is it it a bridge of penises it's a bridge on the river penis oh it's a river penis (laughs) yeah but, like, that's I mean, that's the way, and then someone else would be like, and the penises are on fire. Now, that's only if you've lost control. Yeah. Because there are usually multiple steps to whatever your mission is. So it'll mm-hmm. be like, all right, I've got three goals. I need to cross the bridge, get into the alien base, and blow up the alien base. Yeah. So you've got to accomplish all three of those for the mission to be a success. And each time you try to accomplish one of them, you roll dice equal to the, the s- intimacy of all of the things that you are using. Yeah. yeah. The and, total intimacy of all of the various relationships you're currently using to create your anima. And uh, as well, you can get a bonus for certain things if stuff has gone wrong recently. Like, you can get... Dice for trauma or dice for... the trauma uh, is also how the the GM messes with you in this situation. Yeah, so you'll roll these dice, and like we said, they're fate dice. So you'll get your pluses, blanks, and minuses. And equal signs. (laughs) Yeah, this book was not well edited. (laughs) At some point, they just gave up on a holding down shift, I guess. I mean, the minus and the equals are next to each other on a common keyboard. Uh, It's just, I think it's just that he fucked up. Yeah, it's just so every time they show a display of rolls, it'll be like plus 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 zero 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 minus minus equals 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 equals. And you're like, what are those? What What? what weird are you wearing eight sided fudge dice? What are we doing right now? Uh, So you assign dice to things and you only assign one unless the DM is fucking with you. So you want a plus to go into anything. So if you do that. Basically means whatever the thing you assigned it to is safe. So if you put a plus in your mission success, mm-hmm. then you succeed at the goal. If you put a plus in pilot safety, then you don't take any damage. and any trauma. And there's, you know, stuff for your relationships. So the various people that you are using can be damaged, but a plus means they won't be. And you've got one for your anchor and so on. Yeah. Now... If you put a plus in there, they're fine. They're great. Everything's wonderful. If you put a zero or a blank in there, then it ends up being that you have usually a small penalty. So it'll be like, oh, you're a little stressed out. Uh, You'll take like one stress on a relationship. Or maybe if it's your own safety, you'll be a little bit... uh, like traumatized you'll get terror or something yeah and then if you do it for the mission goal it just means you didn't further that goal and you can try again yes now if the dm is messing with you usually because of trauma they can pick areas and say oh this one is uh like a particularly difficult one right now you have to assign two dice and take the worst yeah uh, which means nine times out of ten is going to end up having to be a zero because you just don't have enough pluses to get these things accomplished. There's even a way to assign three dice and take the worst. Uh, but basically, this is where it introduces these stats that they didn't mention during character creation. Uh, first one is trauma. Uh, a character, only pilots experience trauma, and trauma is basically a combination of physical wounds, mental wounds, overstress uh, that will eventually lead to your character being unviable as a pilot. Uh, For each point of trauma you have, your your DM can use it to mess with you and force you to, uh, or or GM, can force you to assign more dice to things or or force you to use minus dice in certain areas. And when your character passes six trauma, they immediately take their last action ever. uh, And it could be that they die heroically, they quit and run away, whatever it is, it's essentially this character is out of the game and you. You always get to decide what it is as the player. Yes. Like, you can say, oh, no, I do this, and that's how I go out. Yeah, like And the- usually it's, I accomplish some hope we have. It's, uh, well, it's either you accomplish a hope, or you take a hope from the list of hopes and scratch it off, and no one can accomplish that hope now. So you can either take a hope away from everyone else, or accomplish any one of the other hopes, if you can describe it. The example they use is a character, well, there's two hopes that they use, but the one for the the person who's dying heroically in combat is she kills the alien menace completely. She just goes, okay, I dive into the brain of the alien super menace and end them. Yeah, there's like a giant monster made out of aliens and she goes into the heart of it and like self-destructs. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's the length, the strength of, the the amount of power you get from this trauma six effectively ending your character thing is you get to narrate whatever you want and no one at the table can say anything other than great. So she goes like, I end the campaign. The aliens are all dead now. And, and they're all like, wow, cool. That's, that's how that ended. Yeah. The, (laughs) the whole trauma thing, I mean, it will take you a while because you need to. The way everything essentially works in this is when you reach a certain threshold of a negative modifier, you either lose something or gain something, whether it's gaining trauma or losing trust. So with relationships, if you happen to put uh, a blank or a negative in that while you're in the anima, you can get stress. Yeah. If stress is ever higher than trust... Then your stress gets wiped to zero and you lose one trust. Yep. So if your trust ever drops to zero, the relationship is broken, and everyone that is in that relationship takes a number of bliss. Equal to, I think it's three times the intimacy. Yep, three times the current intimacy. Uh, Additionally, uh, what was the other part of it? Uh, It it immediately causes harm to the anchor. Uh, Anchors only have that one kind of tracking stat, harm. They're either harmed or they're not. And, and, you know, pilots can be harmed. Other people can be harmed. If an anchor gets harmed and then harmed again, that kills them. Yeah, you can have one level of harm. Yeah. And if the harm goes away, great. If you stack another harm, they die. So if you're wondering how all these stresses and traumas and harms are resolved, uh, every time a mission action is over, you're supposed to spend about the next three actions doing interludes, uh, which are interpersonal conversations between two people, uh, which you never know who's controlling them, but it should always be at least two players. So and and then, and in general not there's an exception to it but in general there should always be a pirate present or pirate yeah, still, there should always be a pirate present <laughs> there should always be a pirate present <laughs> just in the arr, background arr, <laughs> you are a pirate <laughs> indeed parley the two of you just imagining like 215 year olds sitting there going like the world is ending, but I love you so much. And then in the background, just very quietly. Yar, har, fiddle-dee-dee. a pirate is always with me. It's the 80th birthday. I'm 80. Just that kind of crap. No, a pilot should always be present with one key exception. Uh, what happens in these is that two characters basically have a... Final Fantasy-style cutscene where they talk to each other against a backdrop of other things happening, and then they can choose one from a variety of effects. They can reduce trauma, they can reduce harm, or John wants. John's pointing at me, he wants to say something. Well, the problem is they don't get to choose. That's true. Because when you start an interlude, you have the two people that are having the scene, and one person is picked as a judge. Not one of those two people. Yeah. So, And it doesn't have to be the GM. Anyone can get picked as a judge. And so these two people will just have a scene. Mm-hmm. They'll talk. Stuff will happen. And at the end of it, the judge says, oh, this is what you get. Like, determ- based on how the conversation went, they can say, oh, that was uh, stress relief. So uh, all the stress in that relationship is gone. Or oh, this was-, was a trust building. Yeah. Or you just built intimacy. Or, or you just removed harm. Uh, that kind of thing. But... They do ask the players, at not the, the players specifically, and not the judge, at the end of any one of these interludes, does anyone feel like their trust was broken? And you can say, yes, my trust was broken during that conversation, in which case you reduce the trust of the relationship between the two people by one, and that's all that happens. Yeah, you don't get a bonus for it, and all it does is fuck over the pilot, essentially. Yep. And at that point, I'm looking at it going like, Okay, so the only one who should ever say, yes, my trust was broken, is the person who isn't playing the pilot. But at that point, you've created a dangerous precedent where literally any time someone's like, oh, and now we'll have an interlude. They're like, great, I'll have an interlude with you. Hey, you're a fuckwad. My trust was broken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who declared it, too. Oh, what an asshole move that would be. But, yeah, that's it's kind of a bummer that it's like, well, I because their example is conversations going wrong constantly. Well, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, and then... uh Someone, like a pilot, comes out and talks to their uh, anchor who's super stressed out, and they're not at a party right now. Yeah. And they... Talk to them and then are just an asshole and leave? Well, yeah. What happens is the pilot goes outside the party and sees her her anchor sitting there uh, who and looking sad. And she's like, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm just so stressed out by all this situation. And she's like, well, you should be more willing to accept my love for you. I don't want to talk about that right now. Why not? I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then they run off. And the person who had to hear all that was like, I think my trust is broken. Yeah, it's just... All of it is very dumb. And then it cuts to the second example, which is two dudes picking over ruins. Uh, One of them is complaining about how he doesn't like his girlfriend very much, and the other one white knights the girlfriend and punches him. Yeah. He's like, ah, this chick, I'm banging. She keeps going like, hey, what about love? And I'm like, baby, this is just sex. You know what I mean? Bada bing, bada boom. I'm a 14-year-old Andrew Dice Clay. And then he doesn't realize that the other guy is a 14-year-old regular 14-year-old. He's like, "Mm, the honor of a female. How dare you? And they go fisticuffs, and they gain intimacy because they've just fought. Yeah. But they don't lose any trust because neither of them is like, ah, we didn't betray betray our trust. Neither of us actually gives a shit about the other one, so it wasn't like our trust was betrayed to begin with. Yeah. So that's – you're supposed to string three of those together before starting up another briefing action. Well, Any any pilot who goes on a mission can, at any point in time uh, before a new mission, say – uh, point of order, I would like to have an interlude. Yes. Uh, so this the whole thing is described as like a string of Pearl-style scenario. You get a briefing action, a mission action, interlude, 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 interlude pilot interlude, final interlude if someone dies, mission action, but, and, and so on. It's, it's all done vignette style. Yeah. Um, and the way that it's set up feels very one-shot or short campaign. Very much so, although there's a lot of advice towards the back of the book for how to run it as short campaigns, which is weird because I'm like, I feel like that's the only way to run this. Yeah, I mean, they talk about like, oh, if you're planning on doing a long campaign, maybe look at this or that or whatever. I'm going, man, if you're doing a long campaign, you're Probably doing a lot of character switching is what's happening. I assume so. Yeah, that that you're bringing because there's there's even an action reward structure for bringing in new faces. Where while you're in the dream, you find someone else and drag them in with you. And uh, there's things where, you're, like I had said earlier, where you can train a new pilot or train a new anchor. Yeah. So you'll have like someone step up into a new role. So yeah, people are people are dying constantly. So you it's basically a war of attrition type game, and that's supposed to be the, the point of it. Uh, That that no one lives forever. No one can escape the bliss forever. Eventually, your bliss gets too high. Your bliss ranges, by the way, between 13 and 108. Perfect numbers. Um, If you go above 108, you also get a final action in the same way that you would if you had reached uh, too much trauma. But with this one, you have a few different options of, oh, how am I going to take myself out of this campaign? Or the final option of saying... I become the new authority figure. That's weird, because the whole point of the authority figures is that they have resisted bliss so that they don't fall asleep. Exactly, and that's the thing, is you're saying, okay, I have so much bliss now, and I should have fallen asleep, like I'm an 18-year-old. Uh, I year guess old, I didn't, yeah, okay. And I don't, and so now I'm the new authority figure, and I'm the commissar, and it doesn't say what happens to the old authority figure. Yeah, like, you I can't have more than one. There's did you- no adult fucking in this world, John, none whatsoever. Well... I mean, well, I mean, except be. for the sleeping people. Yeah. I mean, or you could just pose the sleeping people to be fucking. <laughs> or you could just fuck the sleeping people. I mean, yeah, you're, fuck already, the sleeping you're people. already eating them at this a certain you point. might as well do both at the yeah. same time. I mean, oh, once again, John, am I the asshole? <laughs> I mean, now you are. Yes, know, obviously. Yeah, that, that, that one did cross the line. Eating them was okay. Eating was okay. Yeah. Fucking a dead person. Well, not dead. Not well, quite I mean, dead. once they're once they're more or less half eaten, yeah. I mean, once you've eaten their arm, you're basically free to go to town on them. <laughs> but only in the arm stump, sir. <laughs> only arm stuff. <laughs> only arm and hand stuff. Only uh, army hammer stuff. <laughs> well, if you can find army hammer, he's almost definitely asleep somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, sorry about all that. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, that's that's basically the way the game plays. Uh, there's a million exceptions for. There's a million exceptions for a million different things. Uh, it it kind of drags on in the middle because it's all just relationship exceptions and, and minor like uh, corner case rulings and so on. And then you get to the end and there's a DM section that's got all, all kinds of advice that you normally wouldn't see in these books. Like how to do short campaigns, how to include a guest character for one session. What happens if one of your players is gone for a session or several sessions? Yeah, they're actually... Pretty smart bits of advice, uh, so so that's nice. I mean, ultimately, you never get around quite the fact that this game is a huge contrived reason for children to have sex with each other. Now, I know I'm going to go ahead and bring this up, and yeah, this yeah. is a thing that I have been thinking for a while. Mm-hmm. So, this game, both the way that Jeff <laughs> described it as being an excuse for kids fucking, and pretty much any time I see it come up online. That's the only thing that gets talked about is they're like, oh, this is a game about like teenagers having sex Mm -hmm. and everyone is sort of rightfully going like, ew, that's, that's not a good game. But then there's Monster Hearts, which is a tabletop RPG darling, which is literally entirely about teenagers having sex. There are sex moves that you do and nobody's like, ew, that's gross. Mhm. Everyone's just kind of like, "Oh, that's so deep and so, amazing." So you are trying to catch catch me out on this one? Is that no, Well, I'm not on? trying to catch is, you out on it. Is I'm that trying what's to understand what is it about something like monster hearts? You're trying to point where, out that I live in a society? Yes, what I'm saying is <laughs> I am very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> you wish to improve things and yet you live in society. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Uh, What I'm I'm asking is, what is it about Monster Hearts versus something like Bliss Stage, where the concept of, you know, essentially kids, teenagers, having sex, in one instance is considered super awful and gross, and in the other instance is considered to be this emotionally deep experience? It's the veil of metaphor. In this... (laughs) No, this, no, this is my real answer for you. I mean, yes, technically, you can play Monster Hearts in such a fashion that your characters are just constantly boning down and learning life lessons about it, and it's basically Monster Prom the RPG. That's, and, and, and that's acceptable if you want to run it that way. Uh, but there's a few things about Monster Hearts that are different than this game. In Monster Hearts, you don't have to bone to save society. You can bone for your own reasons. Well, you don't have to bone to save society in Bliss Stage, either. You have to pilot to save society. I mean, you kind of have to do both. Eh, like, there's a whole bunch to. of stuff. There's a section towards the back of this book, John, and I don't mean to go off on too huge of a tangent, but there's a, there's a section in the back of this book that is horrifying. It's the, what's it like to be a pilot? What's it like to be an anchor bit? It's The the pilot one is completely full of it's important to foster the next generation because I won't see the end of this, but maybe they will kind of stuff like where it's like, I'm just another cog in the machine. I'm going to die. And that's the way it is. Every time I jack into the dream matrix, it could be my last time. And the anchor one's even worse because the anchor one's like, like they make you fall in love with them. The pilots make you fall in love with them so you have the power to go on. And when you, look into the, when you look into the black reflection of the crash machine, you see their love echoing back at you, but you can also see their love for other people. And it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. And when they die, all that's left is the thudding of your empty heart. And then they introduce you to a new pilot. And they say, hey, by the way, it'd be great if you fall in love with this guy for the good of mankind. And you say, no, I won't fucking fall in love with this guy. I'm my own person. And then I do fall in love with them anyway because that's just the way it is. And fuck! And, and that's... A whole section at the back of the book where it's like, yeah, you kind of have to constantly fuck to keep society going. That, you, you none kids. of that has to do with sex. Uh, fair. That's fair. It's a lot more about anguish. But but realistically, it's implied that these kids are having sex to foster the next generation. There's no adults. In Monster Hearts, there's adults. Society That's each- worse because that means there's adults having sex with children. No, no, I'm saying there's adults existing in the background. There's adults out there being like, hey, I'm a fa- I'm, I'm a consenting adult. How about you? Me, too. Would you like to exchange uh, genetic information? Indeed. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> and, and it all happens in the background. Sure. But it's happening. So you don't have to worry about it. You can sex moves and monster hearts. You can you can, they're metaphoric. You can determine whether or not they're actually describing sex. They're called sex moves, my dude. It's been that way since fucking PBT, actual powered by the apocalypse. And it's always been that they are called sex moves, but they don't necessarily have to describe the fact that your character is literally boning down. <laughs> uh, so, And none of the powers in this have to do with having sex. Except for getting to five intimacy. Meh. I mean, you can get away with it by being a brother you constantly fight with, too. Uh, but otherwise, to get to five intimacy with a stranger, you have to fuck them. <laughs> To get to a five intimacy with your well, anchor. Well, then they wouldn't be a stranger, now would they? <laughs> uh, they? They would still be a teenager. To get to an intimacy, a, a intimacy five with your anchor, you have to fuck them. That is actually specifically mentioned in the what's it like to be an anchor section. you are yeah, like, yeah, I'm you saying- probably have sex with this guy. And I'm like, I don't really want to, but I guess I have to, so I have sex with him. That's how it is. Usually, You don't have to happens. hit it. You don't have to go to five intimacy with anyone. Uh, you know what? We have, we're have? we going to have to have a uh, respectful disagreement of opinion on this one. All All I'm saying is, I'm not trying to go to bat for Bliss Stage. I'm just saying, I do see a little bit of hypocrisy in the sweet dear love of some things that deal with this. And it's not like this is, you know, a Cthulhu tech level thing where it's like, yeah, and there's whole s- secret societies of, you know, kid rape. You're like, okay, yeah, that's lot not a thing in this. Most, in this game, it's mostly behind veils. Like, And the thing is, all of it, while it's still kids, at least the whole thing is basically consenting children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, two 16-year-olds going, yeah, we want to bone down. Okay, it's not great to have a game where, like, Two 30-year-old 30, 30 dudes are going like, yeah, let's bone down as yeah, these 16-year-olds. That's, that's the big thats the big thing you, you run into with this, where you're like, well, I mean, 16-year-olds do have sex with each other. Yes, at their own behest and volition. You don't mash them together like Barbie dolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's, there is definitely problematic nonsense here. I mean- do not get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not going to bat for the game. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, it's it's a fraught issue. It is it is a very weird... If they could hold themselves to fraud, it'd be way less of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just get to five intimacy on fraud. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think com- I think it's a very weird, interesting conversation that isn't one that we are going to be having... At the tail end of a podcast, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that necessarily we're the right people to have that conversation. Anyway, we're not game designers. We're not and, sixteen. Yeah, so, so I'm sure that there are better people out there who have already argued this this uh, to a logical conclusion, and they're going to be commenting on our. our uh, and this is one of the times where I actually am really going to welcome people's thoughts on this because normally when we put out an episode and someone's like i have an issue with what you said i'm like i don't give a fuck also i forgot what what you're talking about also they're like hey you know when you said this and i go no i do not do you know how much content we make (laughs) do you know how many shows i put out all the time if you say hey it, it turns out that actually in 1971 this film came out in july instead of august i'll be like i give no fucks, and don't know what you're talking it's about. It's even worse when they just reference the episode number. But like, in episode 104, you said this, and that's wrong, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what are you talking about? But this this is definitely something where, especially any game creators, anyone like that, I would definitely love to hear thoughts on what it is and how something like sexuality, especially in these sort of problematic margins is Mm -hmm. used and how you either, you know, deal with it or do not deal with it at all. Yeah. Well, anyway, John, why don't we, uh, why don't we wrap this up before anyone says anything stupider than we've already said. Ah, sure. I I don't want to get to the point where I'm saying real bad nonsense. (laughs) Uh, we either end the podcast early or record long enough enough to become the villain. (laughs) Uh, what's your favorite thing about this game? Uh, My favorite thing about this game is the collaborative nature of the storytelling sort of within the game. Mm-hmm. The way that every single character is almost assuredly going to be another player rather than the GM is very interesting to me. Yeah, that is neat. I mean, in the same way that... Uh, when we were reviewing Penny Explosion and it had like, oh, your best friend gets to do whatever and your rival gets to do this. Yeah, that was a neat idea too. So having like other players be judges on things and Maybe, having yeah. them be uh, the side characters, it's a very interesting way to make sure that even if you're not involved in something, you're involved in it. I'm always a fan of, of encouraging players to participate so that there aren't long periods of silence while one person's doing everything. Yeah. And that's interesting. Honestly... I'll go ahead and say one of my least favorite things in this. Please take the, go ahead and take least favorite as well. Fire away. Because along with that, it really feels like there's not a lot for the GM to do in this. Yeah, and, and there's not a lot of concrete there there when it comes to this game. It, it, it's like buying a self-help book. It's like, hey, you got to do all this. Yeah, the, the GM role is basically just I come up with a mission, I play the authority figure, and other than that, They mostly just sit back and watch the players play the game, Mm -hmm. which I feel gets the exact opposite of your normal problem of the GM is 50 million characters and you're playing one. And if one person decides to go run off and do something and talk to like three town guardsmen, then it's just the GM talking to you in three voices while everyone else looks at them. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this, it's much more like, oh, yeah, your four players are sitting around having a discussion and the GM is just like. I am also here at the table. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll do my favorite and least favorite, too, then. Go for it. I I mean, I don't think that's my least favorite, but I definitely think. Would you like me to come back to you with least favorite again? No, that's fine. I can, John. I'd be happy. That's fine. All right. Well, here's my favorite. Great. Great. My favorite thing in this game is that you don't even have stats. All you have is relationships to other characters. I thought that was a really neat way to get that accomplished, that maybe your characters don't need stats constantly defined to actually just interact with the world. If your character's dumb, you don't need necessarily a numerical value to indicate how dumb for everyone else. You could just play them dumb. Yeah, I do like the statless way that this goes through with characters where you're like, oh, no, I don't have to worry about, like, Well, do I have enough strength to do a whatever? What's my damage calculate? You're like, no, man, all that matters is your relationships with people. And that informs the game play like mechanics to inform play is very heavy in this. Now, my least favorite thing in this game is actually it's going to be the one thing the DMs get to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, because we talked we've we've talked the whole rampant child sex thing to death and death, and I feel like we can probably move past it and just let other people tell us whether it's right or wrong. Fine. The thing the one thing the GMs get to do is at the end of mission actions during the finale rolls, they get to be mean to the players. They get to go, haha, I'm gonna nominate your nightmare because that's where you're currently weak, and get to put extra dice there just to stay alive. And it's like why is this suddenly? Why does suddenly or it's normally a very collaborative storytelling game suddenly turn weirdly antagonistic with what? Where one guy who has been doing nothing for this past several minutes pops up and is like, "Fuck you, buddy. That's my word on the subject." And now I'll be quiet again. Yeah, I, it's especially bad because the GM has so little to do with the game. Yeah. that when you look at it and you're like, "Oh, all this dude does is give us missions and then try to fuck us on missions." You're like. I feel like this is very antagonistic, but it's not trying to be. It's just that's the only thing he can do to interact with you yeah. is give you penalties based on trauma. Yeah, so while while John's complaint, rightfully so, is that the DM doesn't have a lot to do in this game, I'm going to go ahead and say that the one thing they do really have to do in this game is weirdly, needlessly mean. True. So, okay, there you have it. And, and uh... John, you already said what you leave a favorite thing. this last opportunity. Trains leaving the station. <laughs> chugga, chugga, chugga. No, nah, I'm good. Okay. I'll stick with what I've got. Would you play this game? <sighs> That's. I feel like I probably would. Like, just the, the concept of like pilots that go into a dreamscape with, you know, uh mechs made out of their personal relationships like it's a very interesting evocative setting yeah and i feel like that would be a thing that would be interesting to explore hmm. i just you know wouldn't want to get into the whole child sex thing I like can, totally that would be that. Yeah. for me for my campaign to be like no you can get to a five without sex that's fine yeah Although that's a lot like saying Irreversible is a great movie if you take out the nine-minute rape scene. <laughs> but, but but I mean, but sure, yeah. like I, I Well, I mean, the book does say you yeah. can kind of change things because it even says, technically, if you just met a random stranger at a party, had sex, and left, you're going to be at Intimacy 1 because that sex didn't mean anything. <laughs> so they say this is just sort of a list of what possibly it could be, not a hard and fast rule. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, so in terms of this game, would you, could you, with all its faults, would you, could you, with consenting adults, <laughs> uh, John? John's going to say probably yes. Probably yeah. I would. Yeah. I would at least want to see how a game like this plays out. Yeah. How about you, my man? I don't. It's not so much. It's. I feel like I'm. I mean, I know that for you, the whole collaborative sit around and tell a story thing is not exclusively your jam. It's not specifically my jam, no. Which is weird because I was just about to say a sentence I never thought I'd say, which is it's not so much the child sex that I (laughs) have, and and then I, I, I ran through that sentence in my head. And big was- warning lights came down. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Someone hit a big button that was under a little glass bubble. No, <laughs> afraid- stop speaking. <laughs> halt tongue. Abort. Abort <laughs> sentence. Red cla- la- Loud claxons and red sp- spinny lights going off in my head. <laughs> He's about to say something horrible. No, pull up. Pull up. No, but the truth is I re- I'm while I like those types of storytelling experiences as collaborative exercises, like we've talked about this a bunch of times on the show before, when our friend Russ and and you and I Ran through a big old Marvel superheroes game where we never rolled any dice, no, we just sort of decided what happens based on what was going on, yeah, and I was playing like a genteel god of owls, yeah, I was, was, just, a was southern just gentleman. Like, hey tell me tell me why this would happen, oh, yeah. because I'm a cool dude with this power, great yeah. cool, uh, then, I guess it was like you had a speedboat race and all this other stuff. It was fully collaborative, and we kept passing the reins over who was in charge of what yeah, and that's so that kind of thing can be fun, but it's also the kind of thing where where you've got to really sell it to me. That your book is worth the money. For the thing for me, it's really I've got to have the right group of people. Bliss Stage is not a game I would ever recommend or want to see in, say, a convention list. That's not a thing where I want fucking six randos getting together to do. Yeah, I don't want to see a shit like a play-by-post being assembled of Bliss Stage on, like, something awful. No, this, this is a game where I'm like, oh, if you have a group of close friends, people that are like, yeah, we we understand going into this what it's about and we want to be able to do a collaborative story and we even like the idea of like these vulnerable interludes where we can get very emotional. Mm-hmm. That's the way this game would shine. Yeah. And if you try and do that with just any yahoo that Comes to the table. Well, here's the problem. It's a balancing act because at the same time, I don't want to play this game with yogels and strangers. I also don't, I can't think of a single group of friends I'd feel comfortable in approaching <laughs> and be like, hey, group of good friends who I trust implicitly, let's play this game. There's a lot of 14 year old vaginas in it. <laughs> See, and that's just you selling it that way. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I sell that first or if it comes up later on, it still exists within the game. <laughs> Like that's the that's the balancing act. Is it's a really weird group of friends you're thinking of, and I'm not sure I have those friends or any friends. What I'm saying is, you go in and you go, "Hey guys, here's the pitch." <laughs> it's like <laughs> teenage the, mech pilots. Here's the big obvious asterisk. <laughs> no man, you go. Hey, it's it's a it's a pitch. Your teenage mech pilots and everyone's in like horrible monster hearts esque fraught emotional relationships, and that's it. That's what you pitch. You don't go, by the way, if anybody wants to get a sexy time I going. guess in that case, you could just straight up use Monster Hearts and just change some of the moves in the game into mecha moves and call it a day. No nah, man. You can't. You're not changing my move into a mecha move. What are you, high? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little stoned right now. I got like six different kinds of blood pressure meds in me. Some of them have to be doing something. Some of them got to fuck me up somehow. Yeah. So anyway, there you have it. It's uh, I, I, I might play it if a, if a theoretical group of friends existed and someone made a lot of changes to it first. Uh. Otherwise, this is an at-, at arm's length with tweezers game for me for me. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, there you have it. That's that's bliss stage. That is bliss stage. It is a a contentious game. Indeed. It is It is a land of contrasts. In summation, I hope you enjoyed hearing this stage. I hope I have presented my three points to you correctly. Firstly, I've presented you the game. Second, I told you about how it existed in a world. And third, I had a conclusion of where it will stand with me and my friends. Thank you for listening. Webster's defines a conclusion as. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, that's the word. <laughs> Now for my bibliography. I read Bliss Stage. I read Bliss Stage. Also, nothing ever else. Yeah. I, I can't read anything but RPGs now. They have consumed my life, and I'm falling into a pit of RPGs. It's true. I feel like the, every year when we, get, when we hit the anniversary, which is like in August or something, where we're like, oh, we've been doing the show for six years, seven, whatever many years, all I can think is, when was the last time I read a novel? And the answer is... Only for one of our other shows. That's right. What if I read a non-Star Wars novel? When's the <laughs> last time that happened? When did I? When's the last time I sat down with like a good solid novel and read that? Not even like, ooh, I'm reading some real like Thomas Pinchon shit. I'm talking about sitting down and reading like some Terry Pratchett. Anything, Just even some- light. Fucking real. Cool. Like, when was the last time I read The Restaurant at the End of the Universe? I was 19. It, it hurts, John. Oh, I bought a Terry Pratchett book that I had not read, and it has sat in my room for, I'm going to say, a year and a half now oh, okay, because well. I have not been able to read anything. I do appreciate at least that you didn't buy it, like, say, six years ago, which means the book has been sitting in your room through the death of Terry Pratchett. <laughs> oh, God. That would be real sad for me. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Don't don't listen to our whining. We're fine. We're happy people. Everything's great. But you know, if you want to help turn our frowns upside down, mm-hmm. you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery is the way to do that. And if, if you subscribe at any level you get bonus content for this A Here show. That's right. For only a single dollar an episode, which adds up to about two bucks a month, you get bonus content for this show where we make characters. Uh, God, I don't even know how we're going to do that this time. Are we making 13 characters? What's going on here? We're making 13-year-old characters. That's what's going on. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm making (laughs) 17-year-old characters. A lot of them. All my characters are 17, and also the age of consent where we live is 17. (laughs) Also, we all live in, I don't know what, Georgia? Sure. Also, also everyone's a 12,000-year-old dragon, actually. (laughs) All of my characters are 18 years old. Thank you. None of them have succumbed to bliss yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> also, they got smokes. <laughs> also, they can go to porno theaters. They can get porn and smokes for the rest of the kids. <laughs> oh, that's great. What a good buddy that is. Hell yeah. That 18-year-old who's like, here you go. I got hey, you a, a porno yeah. mag. Oh, like, oh, thanks, yeah. mister. Normally, we can't loot the pots of the stores. What's behind the beaded curtains? Oh, jeez, mister. I'm seven years old, and I want to see Twitties. <laughs> Conway Twitties. Of course you do, son, because your mom t- fell asleep when she turned 19. Oh, by the way, uh, are you still lactating off her? Yeah. sweet. She, she still makes a lot of milk, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how this works if you oh fall God. asleep while you're lactating. I mean, if breast milk is still available off lactating women, that's another source of pre- great uh, stuff out of free well, sleeping and people. Now we're just going straight into fucking Mad Max territory. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We really are. Uh, I'm just, uh, anyway, that was a horrible tangent, and I apologize. <laughs> Why not give us a dollar a month and I'll stop it, I promise. I promise 100% if you, you listening right now, give us a dollar per month. Episode. Per month episode. Per ep- because two per Per monthly episodes. There you go. Per two. bi-monthly episode. Twice a month. Then, then Bi- I'll. Bi-monthly. Then I'll stop it. And by bi-monthly, I mean two times a month. That's right. Not, 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 not once, once every, every two, two months. months. Yeah. Uh, there's also other levels you can support us at. There's a $2 level that unlocks a lot of Star Wars content and a $5 level that unlocks a monthly, wonder- content. monthly content that's very exclusive. Uh, so find us at patreon.com slash system mastery and give us that money. And you can go to our discord. If you're a patron, you get to unlock special colors, special rooms, all sorts of nonsense, Find us on Twitter. We got our pinned tweet Is the Discord. Join us on there. We got a whole real super good fan base in there. All friendly people. I love them all to death. They're great. I folk. don't talk a lot in there, but yeah, know you're... that I'm always lurking. Yeah, he, he's one of those I turn myself invisible and I just read the shit in there. Kind yeah, of it always looks like I'm offline, but I'm not. I'm watching. I see what you do. I'm like Jesus watching you masturbate, which means if you are in there, you can quit sending me uh, summon messages whenever you want to talk to John. Just do it to him. He's there. Oh, I'm always he, he's there. He's hiding from you. You. i just don't have anything to say to you you peons oh you lesser beings. Hang on these are people that we're currently <laughs> trying to trying to uh, trying to court yeah so let's let's be nice to them shall we uh anyway that's that's our patreon patreon.com slash system mastery or you can just find our regular website system mastery. a regular website a regular website mr master podcast.com yes dot k-w-o-m-m Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Stop on by and check us out. Thank you so much for listening. You have a wonderful week.